Welcome to The Blueprint, a podcast for you and your life as a professional. The people I have conversations with don't have to be famous. They have to be making a living doing what they do. My goal is to get you the information you need to make real decisions. Start a career, change a career, get your money right and get a handle on your operations. This is a career day in a box podcast. I am Philip Llanos, and maybe this is the blueprint for you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. We have, again, in the series of election 2020 for the Los Angeles County, we have another guest that's on the ballot, and his name is Anthony Dana. And Anthony Dana is a data scientist who has a huge background in entertainment industry, whether it was uh, Sony, uh, companies like Disney, you name it. This is someone who wants to take a stab at being on the board and to help bring a different perspective, one that that is aware that inclusion is needed and diversity is needed. There are things that are happening at a federal level that if brought into the scope of a local level can help ride the wave of where the funding is going. Uh, also, he shed some light on where the budget is also being misspent, a lot like uh, Charnay had done. So it's definitely one of the things that I think uh, you need to listen to if you want to be more informed about who you might want to vote for. Overall, it's an episode you can't miss uh, if you're looking to take a more informed vote uh, this year. Without further ado, Anthony Dana. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Good. Yeah, man. All right. I'm How are super, you? super excited, man. I've been on a roll interviewing people who are on the ballot. And, I know. I've seen that. And, I've seen uh, some. Uh, I've seen some folks. I've uh, I've heard at different candidate forums, and I appreciate your focusing on these uh, down ballot races. So that's fantastic. I'm trying, man. You know, a, a lot of people that I know uh, probably don't have the wherewithal given that civics was kind of counted out of public education. I don't know how long ago. And I yeah. don't necessarily know it any better than them, but I'm a figure outer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when I started looking at this, I realized I have a small engaged platform. Why not utilize that since people are listening to me anyways, when I do that. Yeah. That's awesome. That's you know? awesome. And I, I saw, I saw so many things that I liked about, um, the things that I found about you online um, cool. and your mission for moving into this that I couldn't pass up an opportunity to hopefully get a conversation going with you. So I hope awesome. you're into it. Uh, yeah, no, I am. Thank you so much. Thanks for, uh, thanks for reaching out and uh, wanting to do this. Uh, you know, the thing that's been the hardest about this campaign is trying to break through, you know, and, and get people to pay attention to, what's happening in this community college district because it's such an important institution. And it's the first time that um, these elections are on, you know, the even numbered year ballots. Uh, so there's a whole pool of people who have never voted uh, for any sort of community college trustee, um, you know, ever, or probably, you know, maybe once many, many years ago. Um, who are voting now. So it's a, a really interesting time. And obviously a lot of attention um, is being given by the candidates who are running, but kind of breaking out of um, in a very tight political circles maybe is, is, has been difficult. Um, so I appreciate uh, you 
you yeah, having interest. That's the main reason I, I like what's going on. There's a, because there's like a, there's a double-sided edge to this, right? So on one hand, people can read up on you and then be like, oh, he's a Hollywood insider trying to get into Hollywood. But that's not how I read it when I looked at everything else that you were doing. Uh, yeah. You know, and I myself have not only had nothing but trouble trying to get into college when I was younger, so I just didn't end yeah. up going. Um, but also, I've been a, I was for a long time wanted to be an actor, and then I've worked yeah. on set as a background actor for years. Oh, that's cool. And I got to tell you, you know, uh, I see that there, the diversity, you know, has slowly gotten there, you know, as, as things have yeah. out. So for you to be able to want to take your experience as a, as someone deep in the trenches of Hollywood and with all the biggest companies, and then to bring that data scientist background you have as well to yeah. the LACC um, community and, and, and the board to be able to make those decisions that shape education as it moves along, that's going to be huge because let's face it, uh, most people end up with degrees that don't offer them opportunities for work. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much. I mean, that's, that's really kind of the thing that's motivating me. Um, you know, this district, as I mentioned, is super important. It's a $5 billion enterprise. I mean, that's how big the, the budget is on an annual basis. And they have uh, $3 billion in uh, unobligated bond money. Uh, and that's money that they have to spend on um, facilities, you know, building new buildings uh, on the campuses or renovating and upgrading uh, their facilities and equipping those, those buildings. Um, so it has a great economic impact uh, as an employer, as a generator of, you know, construction jobs for this bond program, which has been going on for a decade. Um, but it also has a great impact on the lives of over 200,000, you know, students who, you know, look to these colleges to help them fulfill their own individual dreams. And I got into this race because I really felt like the management of this district um, is failing these students, um, largely because of the cronyism and corruption that kind of permeates the board and the relationship that this board has with the for-profit construction management firms that want to do business with the district, that want to tap into that uh, bond money. Um, it's a... I mean, the LA Times called it a very entrenched uh, relationship between the board and and these for-profit firms that you know want to do business in front of the board. Um, and when you look at the financial disclosure forms of some of these members of the board, it's very clear where they get their money, um, and it's from these corporations or from executives who are uh, decision makers at these corporations. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of. No, no, that's kind of like what was driving a lot of decision making in this district. Um, and it's caused a lot of problems. And these problems have persisted over time. Um, and I just didn't feel like there were enough people, um, you know, with credibility, like standing up and saying, mm -hmm. this is not good practice. You know, like, you shouldn't be doing this in any other professional setting. Would like this type continue. of exchange of value, like you, you couldn't do this. I can't take anything of value from someone I'm, I'm doing business with. I mean, nor would I ever think about it. A, a meal, a glass of wine, you know, 
Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, that's like part of like the exchange process that happens in a negotiation. Right. Um, but the idea that, you know, these for-profit companies that want to tap into public dollars yes. are the ones that are influencing these campaigns is kind of ridiculous. No one looks um, at public dollars. No one looks at it. And they know that. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's the issue with this district is that it's always been in the shadows. You know, it's been in a odd number year election, 10 percent turnout um, and, you know, moving it to this even number year cycle has been great. Um, but it's also made it really challenging, like I was talking about earlier, to break break through because there's a lot of political a lot of things going on right now. Yeah, it's yeah, funny that politically you bring up, and otherwise. It's funny that you bring up uh, the entrenchment with for-profit construction companies uh, because yeah. I also spoke to someone else running for another seat on the board. Um, yeah, uh, and 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 uh, Sharnay Tunson and and they were talking yeah. about how also the sheriff's department has an entrenched contract with security and mm-hmm. how much of the budget that takes. And I've yeah. been to LACC. I mean, they didn't let me in as a student due to financial aid or whatever. But I went to the campus, uh, I want to say 10 years ago, maybe, maybe more than that. But it, yeah. it wasn't like I didn't see any dollars. I didn't see one security guard, first of all. So wherever that money was, I don't know. Um, but also the, the place, this was before they started doing the newer construction on it that may have happened about five years ago. But right. knowing that experience and where it is now and learning the fact that it's a $5 billion uh, uh, almost entirely discretionary income that can be used as yeah. they see fit. And they have these long-term yeah. contracts that are sort of, you know, buddy, buddy. It doesn't make for a lot of competition. And everyone right. knows that's basically almost antitrust in, 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 in metaphoric right. terms. So yeah. to hear sheriff, someone bring that up is huge. The sheriff doesn't need to be there. And that's that these are all policy decisions. And so you just, you know, you just kind of pointed exactly at the issue. Um, the things are the way they are today because of the decisions that people who have been sitting in these seats have made. Uh, so the sheriff always has not uh, always provided uh, security services for the colleges. Uh, there was a whole other system in place um, about over a decade ago. Um, so, you know, the idea that the sheriff needs to continue on in the same uh, form and function as it has uh, is ludicrous. Uh, I know they're reviewing the uh, relationship with the sheriff now, and I think that's fantastic. But the thing that always concerns me about this district is that they make a lot of motion, uh, but very little progress. Mm. Um, and so I think they'll spend a lot of time talking about reforming this relationship with the sheriff, um, but I'm not so sure how much change will actually happen. Uh, and that's the thing that's a little bit concerning. What what do you have in mind in terms of like, let's say you do get in, right? Because I imagine a lot like Charnay, your your position will now have a huge influence over what the budget says, right? You're basically another vote for or against what's going on and what's going to move forward, right? Right. So, what are some right. things you specifically want to focus on if you can if you can bring <laughs> some light to that uh, while being on the board itself? Yeah. So, I mean, a couple of things immediately. I mean, the first one is COVID-19 and, you know, helping the district navigate through the the changes in the budget that are most likely going to need to be made because certain budget assumptions at the state level were made, assuming 
federal money was coming in and another wave of, of um, yeah. relief money. Uh, and That's I guess Tuesday is now the dead. <laughs> yeah, it's not what happened, right? So Tuesday is now the deadline. Um, so there were certain budget assumptions made, you know, at the state level based on that money, which uh, assumed it would flow into the community colleges. So their budget has been relatively stable and they've cut in certain areas. Um, but now some of the assumptions that went into that budgeting process are no longer valid. Uh, and that puts a whole lot of revenue at risk. Um, so there's, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this, this new board, uh, will be seated. Uh, I think it's the, the middle of December. Um, and you know, at that point, uh, there, there should be a much clearer idea of like what sure. the, um, what the budget realities are. Uh, but for me, I mean, the biggest priority would be to make sure that we were putting resources where they were needed the most. And that's, you know, with the students who have the greatest need and with the students who are at the, uh, places closest to completing their courses of study. Um, you know, the last thing I would want to see is someone uh, right at the end of the line or very close to the end of the line, um, not being able to access, uh, funds, you yeah. know, the classes or the funds that they need to finish. Um, because those are the those are the students that we really need to be uh, focusing on to push over the line during this low hanging fruit. This crisis will, right? moment. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, we have uh, a big uh, you know, dropout rate problem, uh, because of, of COVID. Um, and it certainly hit certain, uh, communities harder than it's hit others. Um, right. but the ones that can't you know, afford to go to school at all now, they couldn't before, now they really can't. Exactly. Exactly. So the district had about a 10%, uh, dropout rate, um, year over year. Uh, but it was 20% at LA Southwest college. Um, you know, which is predominantly African-American. Right. Um, so, you know, those are the things that I would want to focus on. Like, let's get that, that cohort, that, uh, that 20%, let's get them back. You know, how do we, how do we deploy resources, um, you know, to go out and, and do that. Um, and that can mean hiring, you know, community outreach, um, folks, uh, to, you know, actually go out and knock on doors and, and, you know, try to figure out, um, you know, what it would take to get folks who have started and are, you know, along their way towards completing their uh, courses of study to get them to come back and complete. And some of that may be, you know, financial, some of it may be, um, you know, uh, other reasons. Um, and I think, you know, those things are really important to, um, you know, to solve, but they have to be solved at that kind of what one-on-one scale. Um, and that takes a lot of resources. Have you, have you ever met with anyone who's currently on the board, like, uh, to sort of gauge where their head is at? Yeah. 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 I've had an opportunity. Uh, I won't say who, but I've had an sure, opportunity sure, sure. to speak with, yeah. Uh, a current, a current member of the board, uh, who's been really helpful. Uh, I've spoken with this person, uh, a few times, and um they've uh they've given me some great advice and also you know given me some um 
some nice compliments along the way. Um, you know, we've all we've all been seeing each other on these uh, Zoom campaign events. Uh, so even those of us that have never met each other before have started to develop some relationships with each other, um, which is kind of nice. How, how would you recommend someone who's listening to this to do their research on like how mm. they should be considering or weighing their options? Because for me, this is the first time I'm doing a mail-in ballot and I don't know how I yeah. realized how much easier it makes it to research people. Yeah. Um, think about it this way. Uh, who like I think the, the the question is who would you want to be in charge, um, and that's really what this board is about. You know, um, this board is not necessarily about administering the programs of the colleges because that's what the the management and and the um, administration and the faculty and and the staff all do. Um, having an education background is helpful, but it's not the only type of background that's helpful. Um, what these seats are about is really about setting overall vision, strategy, um, and direction. And these people are responsible for hiring um, the executive, who in this case is the chancellor of the district, uh, and providing oversight of that person's management of the district. Um, so I look at a board as a body that really needs a diverse set of people with a diverse set of experiences. Um, so I would consider anyone looking at how to fill these seats. First, look at who are sitting in the even numbered seats. Just do a quick Google search for the board. Um, and actually maybe I'll, I'll put something on my blog um, on my website. I'll do that right now. Um, but you know, those, those folks are going to serve another two years because their seats won't be up until 2022. Um, so you, you know, those, those three seats are static. Um, so considering who those folks are, who else do you think would make a good mix, uh, on this board? Um, and you know, that's a good place to start. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily, Consider any, um, you know, consider any incumbent to be necessarily more qualified than anyone else. Um, you know, these incumbents were elected in uh, elections with 10% turnout. Um, right. And in most cases, you know, it was 140,000 people in a 3 million uh, voter district that put these folks into office. So it's not like they're popularly elected. Um, you know, they they were able to be elected in a system that existed. And then this current system is brand new. So it's a little bit wild and crazy. And I think this year makes it a little bit, you know, um, even more abnormal. And, yeah. uh, you know, who knows which way it's going to go. That that was huge to hear. the that That sort of illuminates the way things are set up. You know, and I, I, I think as a listener, if I didn't know what the word incumbent meant, I'd be like, okay, but I don't know what that means, right? Because often people hear that and they don't want to act like they don't know. So they just assume they kind of make sense of the sentence. But uh, just to clarify, mm. incumbent would mean somebody who's yeah. elected before and they're the ones currently sitting in the seat, correct? Exactly. Um, that's exactly it. But incumbent uh, also means, it just generally means the person who's in office right now. 
Uh, and incumbents are usually elected. But in my case, I'm running in seat number three. Um, and the incumbent that I'm running against was not elected. He was appointed. Oh, wow. um, so, yeah, there was a vacancy on this uh, on this board of trustees. And uh, Trustee Vela uh, was appointed to fill this vacancy. Um, and it was a rather controversial appointment. Uh, that I think is reflective of this board's dysfunction. Um, the the person who vacated the board was Assembly Member Sydney Kamlager. Um, she was elected to the Assembly and so resigned her position on the Community College District Board of Trustees. Uh, Assembly Member Kamlager was the only African American member of the board and one of two women, um, and there were several well-qualified African-American women who had the support of the community at large who were in contention to fill this seat. And there were several other women of color and men of color and um, other well-qualified candidates who had put their names forward. Um, but the board, rather than choosing one of the three leading African-American women who were vying for this seat, um, chose the political insider um, and you know made a decision that didn't reflect the wishes of the community, um, which I think was just a real failure of leadership, frankly. Yeah. I mean, let's face um, it, politics is everywhere, but really, does it have to be in education? Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I'm really, I'm really happy to see so many qualified uh, African American candidates for all of these seats, and some really amazing African American women um, running in each of these seats. Um, but I have, uh, I have a lot of great support um, in the African American community. I have the endorsement of the New Frontier Democratic Club, um, which is the oldest and largest historically African American Democratic club in the state. Um, they're a great club. Uh, they just did a get out the vote, uh, town hall yesterday. I'll be a zoom. Um, so I had a chance to, uh, to speak with their general membership, um, after having spent some time with their, um, with their political committee, uh, over the course of the summer. Um, so I'm really happy to have their endorsement and, um, you know, I think they know that this board really needs someone with my set of experiences to hold the management of this district accountable right. in a way that, you know, the folks on the board can't. Um, and to really think differently about the way that, you know, this money, this public money, this bond money is being used. Um, you know, I, I couldn't think of a better way of responding to like Black Lives Matter than taking some of that bond money and investing it into the construction of satellite campuses in South LA. Right. Um, you know, to better serve a community that's dying for investment and better access to educational opportunities. So, you know, there's so many different things that can be done um, if we only really had the, the, the will and the vision to kind of think differently. Um, but, you know, there typically right now, there's a lot of political calculations that are being made when decisions are being made at this board because it's um, uh, largely 
you know, politics driven, um, which is fine, but um, it kind of defeats the the purpose, I think. Of education, of, yeah. Yeah, of education and having a, a nonpartisan board, which really is nonpartisan because it's supposed to be focused on the management of the colleges rather than on, you know, kind of partisan politics. I mean, you, you bring up a really good point there. There was a, there was an opportunity I saw available to write a column for The Economist. And if you wrote a piece that was interesting enough, it would be granted like a fellowship or whatever. I took a stab at it. I've never written, right? But I, I took a stab at it. And in doing yeah, the work, I realized that um, predominantly the, the jobs that have the strongest exports in America tend to be ones that are in energy, uh, I believe, um, a- airplane or aircraft parts. And I'm Mm -hmm. trying to remember what the other one was. Uh, Forgive me for that. But I realize that when you look at the Labor Bureau statistics on that, it shows that the the predominant (laughs) the predominant ethnicity in those jobs is not people of color. And and what what's funny about this is the people most unemployed are people of color. So here we have this huge export. This is a clear demand from the world for the United States of America's. uh, labor force, whether it's strategic thinking, right, which is um, um, sort of looking for uh, intelligence work as opposed to, you know, widgets yeah. and stuff like that. And then there's the widgets work yeah. that's also there. A- and somehow the highest unemployed population doesn't have access to the highest export jobs. Like, it just seems like it'd be a quick way to synergistically put together something that removes a large degree of unemployment while at the same time putting them at the forefront of America's biggest exports and, and really showcasing how America really is a nation for all people, let alone Los Angeles. And now I, I don't know if they idea. read my I don't know if they read my paper, but what you're ta- what you're speaking about really goes there because I was going to ask you. Well, yeah. if, if your background can't influence the actual programs, how would you do that? But you answered my question. You you'd oversee that there are satellite campuses that are built in that area. Exactly, exactly. And the district has built and right, and the district has built satellite campuses in other parts of LA. Um, so it's not like this is something that hasn't been done before. It just hasn't been done in these places. Right. Um, and I, you know, I think there's no better time than the present to have a conversation about spending money to be able to do that. Um, two of the district's campuses, uh, LA Mission College and West LA College, are adjacent to high uh, fire danger zones. Um, I don't know why we would invest at this point any additional public dollars in brand new buildings on these campuses, which have a high potential of to be burned you up, know, being the vic- to be victims of of you know of uh, major fires. Um, and so I think you know, given the size of LA and the need for these opportunities to be spread out, it makes sense for facilities to be built in places, um, you know, that are connected to transit, um, yes. or that are otherwise, you know, more accessible to people who, you know, are going about their daily lives and need to fit school into work, childcare, family care, and, you know, everything else that one needs to do to make it through a, a life here in LA. See, that teaches me so much more about the things that you might oversee while being on the board. Uh, because first yeah. I, I had the, I had the idea that it was about the programs and this and that, but now that you you've let me 
learn that that's more of the management and the staff, because that is what they're there for. Knowing yeah. that you're making those bigger decisions and being proactive and saying, if we put money here, it's going to burn up again. We're basically burning money, money that could be used right. to set up buildings around transit, which is huge. Because I, one of the other reasons I decided not to go is because not only did I have to go to work instead, because they wouldn't give me financial aid for a long yeah. a laundry list of reasons. Then the other was, well, I want to go to a good college, one that I think will will put me in touch with a good community, but also it's clean and it, I feel like I want to be there. You know, it's an inspiring place to be. Not, I don't know, LACC at that time was not that inspiring when I tried to go. Uh, so I, I was trying to go to SMC, but I lived... Uh, right. over in Koreatown and further back. And, you know, they had, they had just yeah. started getting the blue line or whatever the um, the Santa Monica buses to Wilshire and Western. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. knowing that you're working on that transportation thing is also huge. I mean, this may not yeah. impact me because, uh, you know, myself in college, I mean, I done I did so much more work experience. I don't know if it pans out, but for the younger generation, it's huge. And that that's what right. this whole thing is about. It's not just about you. It's about how this shapes the the future. Of, yep. of people. No, absolutely. And, and, um, you know, that's, uh, that's a big part of, of the platform that I've laid out, uh, with respect to kind of thinking differently about how to use that bond money. Yes. Um, particularly because the district did a study themselves, <laughs> um, that showed that they basically have overbuilt, um, and they've overbuilt to the extent that they're spending $4 million a year on maintenance for space that they don't need. Um, so, and it was all documented in the LA Times. $4 million um, a year on space they don't need? That's about the same budget yeah. as their Title IX budget, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. So, like, that's the kind of thing that happens in this district because no one's watching. Um, you know, there, there are no as a, campaign as a data finance scientist, rules. These elections are yeah. at large. As a you data know, scientist, it's, it's, you'd be able to see all these things from a top level perspective and see the story it's telling oh, and say, no, no, no. Don't, don't, well, totally. And, you know, that's like the thing about this district with data is I can tell you right now, they are not data savvy um whatsoever and that's not surprising because they're a you know public institution right um you know there's no so, tech dollars there <laughs> right right you know like it takes a while for some of these practices you know from the private sector to kind of trickle trickle down into into the public sector setting Which is where you come um but the thing that concerns me the most about data well there's two things that concern me first is uh spoken to some faculty um, and one of the pieces of, you know, feedback uh, that they give about their jobs is that they spend a lot of time doing a lot of data entry um, to ostensibly help track student progress and learning and, um, you know, to help identify students who might need more support in one area or another. Um, but no one has, no one has kind of looked at the efficacy of this work to see like, is all of this effort worthwhile? Is it delivering the results that we need? You know, is there another or a simpler way of doing this? Right. There's tools um, out there that can be built into this infrastructure to collect the data and then have, have right. more. Yeah. 
<laughs> right. It's like the idea that like these really highly educated people are spending a lot of time, you know, do, doing data entry um, doesn't seem like a really good way of our public resources being used. They should be spending time interacting with their students, reading, you know, their students' work, um, preparing for their, you know, preparing for their next, uh, their next classes or whatever they need to do. Um, so, you know, that's like, that's an issue, right? Um, is that they, they, they move forward with these, these really large kind of projects. Um, and I'm not sure that they really know if what they're doing is effective and is ultimately going to get them right. where they need to go. Yeah. And then the other thing that concerns me is, um, information security. So I work at Sony, um, you might remember there was a, a major hack, uh, which we were the victims of um, five years ago. Uh, no, six years ago. Um, and so information security is like, uh, you know, something I think about these days that I probably didn't think about before, before that happened. Um, and this district doesn't spend enough money on it. Um, and it's not surprising. Um you know, that they were the victims of a, a cyber attack and a, uh, some of their data was held ransom and they paid the ransom, wow. you know, so, the, yeah. The, the district, right? the, the community colleges? The community colleges. They paid $28,000 oh. to no. some hackers who stole some data from, I think it was LA Valley College. One um, of their students developed a program that... Well, but this is right. This is the thing. So like I went and I looked at their their budget for this year and I looked at uh, information security and I looked at cybersecurity and relative to their overall information technology budget, um, you know, it was a lot smaller than it should be based on, you know, the standards that are employed in the private sector, you know, for a, for an organization of their size. Of their they size, spending, exactly. They should be spending more money, particularly now that like, you know, so many classes are online. Valid point. Everything is the moving. There's online. more and more data than ever before, and their budget right. doesn't meet the expectation necessary to keep it protected. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Wow. I can see yeah. how your role, how you would play a, a, str a strong influence and a positive influence on, on a, in a role like the one that you're trying to get elected. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I, I really, so. Yeah, I really appreciate your time. You know, I, I think that's informative enough for anyone who was listening to this to get a picture right. overall of what that would be like. Um, it, to be honest, it was my first time seeing on the ballot um, uh, things for the community college district. And I don't know yeah. if I just never paid attention to it before, but it's always about like rezoning and all these other things. <laughs> um, but this time it was, it was a particular interest to me because of how uh, I wasn't able uh, to be afforded a college education. I feel like the very least I could do is having been on the other end of it, you know, uh, yeah. Open that conversation up. So, Anthony, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. The red carpet is yours. Uh, this this towards the end of it. And so if there's anything you want to promote, anything you want to say to the listener, uh, it's all yours. Sure. No, thank you so much. Um, you know, one of the things I'm really excited about is this green uh, and clean energy job workforce development uh, plan that I've put forward. And it's right on the homepage of my website, which is uh, Dana for LACCD.com. 
Uh, and this is exactly the type of policy that a, a trustee would put forward um, because it's directional rather than being very specific for the district. What the district is responsible to do is figure out the specifics. Um, and so what my plan calls for is three things. Uh, the first is uh, to put an equity program in place uh, for their existing green and clean energy programs, specifically those at Trade Tech College uh, downtown. Uh, so Trade Tech has a whole host of, of programs that would lead uh, students into careers into, um, you know, in these growing fields. Um, but these fields are largely dominated by white men right. um, because not enough people of color and not enough women uh, are going into these fields. Um, so we need to make sure that the district is looking at models that have been employed elsewhere. And I pointed out one in from Austin, Texas, where industry um, educational providers like uh, the colleges um, and, um, and government have come together to create new pathways for women and people of color into um, green and clean energy jobs. Uh, so that's something that could be done immediately uh, to help put people on a path toward jobs that we know are going to be in great demand, um, particularly if, when Joe Biden and Kamala Harris get to the White House because they have a very specific plan calling for the creation of 10 million new clean energy jobs. So if that's the direction the federal government is going to be headed in, this district really needs to make sure that it's laying the groundwork to take advantage so of the funding is going. So it's students can take advantage of where the funding is going. Exactly. Genius. Um, yep. So one of the things that the district doesn't have is a district wide green and clean energy job uh, pathway. Um, they have pathways into lots of different career and study areas, um, but the opportunities for students uh, are really varied across the district. If you want to go into like environmental sciences, or if you have an interest in, um, you know, biotechnology, um, you know, uh, the list of, of of jobs in these areas is quite long. Um, so. What I'm calling for is for the district's academic senate uh, to put together a plan to create green and clean energy job pathways at each of the district's colleges, and that we use some of this bond money to build the facilities and buy the equipment that's needed to you know, teach more people how to be solar technicians or to create more biotechnology labs. Um, you know, We have the resources to be able to do these things and when we do them, those will also create jobs by creating, you know, construction jobs through the uh, the bond program. So there's a lot of really good stuff that this district could be doing to tackle so many issues with some really big ideas. Uh, and with my green and clean energy jobs program, we really can tackle, uh, you know, climate justice issues. We could tackle uh, economic uh, issues, uh, wage issues. Um, you know, the beautiful thing about so many of these jobs is that they pay well above average um, yeah. and not all of them require a bachelor's degree. Um, so you can go to a community college and get a certification um, and make, you know, money that um, 
a lot of folks with bachelor's degrees me, for example. So, you know, there, there, there are really some really interesting focal areas. And the reason I'm focused on climate is because it's obviously such a big issue. Um, but it's also, to the point I made earlier, an area that I know the federal government uh, will be investing in and focused on. Um, and we need to make sure that uh, we're providing the students in Los Angeles the opportunities to take advantage of those investments. That's huge, man. That, that That's a perspective that only a data scientist looking at trends would understand that, hey, look, if all the big money is going this way, if you want to ride that wave, we have to set up programs that align with that wave. Yeah. No. Now. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, Anthony, man, that this, this has been an awesome conversation, illuminating. And uh, I can't thank you enough for your time again. Um, I'll be oh, able thank to, you. I'll, yeah, I'll be in touch with you shortly after this. But man, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Blueprint. I hope it was helpful. And as always, I'm open to feedback. Please follow our guest where they directed you to. And also connect with me on LinkedIn. Or you can even get more personal and connect with me on Instagram. Either way, let's network. Let's build. And let me know who else you'd like to hear about. What other industries and professions you're interested in.